Well, hey everyone, welcome back to Holy Podcast, where we take the opportunity to look back at the previous Sunday's message and to go deeper so that you can understand not just the concepts, but how it applies to your life. So today we are one short, uh, Chris, Pastor Chris Reed is off today. So I am joined today by Anthony, who taught this past Sunday, and Mary, uh, who is also my wife, but, but more than that. She's not just simply my <laughs> wife, uh, she's more than that. So we're excited, but today, because Anthony taught this past Sunday, I'm actually gonna turn it over to him to allow him to lead the discussion because it gives him an opportunity to highlight what he wants to highlight. Yeah, I mean, um, first and foremost, thanks for the opportunity, privilege to teach. It's always truly a gift and an honor to be able to do that. And and this really, um, this topic, I think for me is is something, as I mentioned, even in the message, has really been a, a passion of mine. Uh, I was talking right. to someone this morning, I remember the first time I read Ephesians 4, 11 and 12, and just that light bulb moment where it really jumped out and grabbed me to realize, you know, the orientation of, of pastoral leadership is really not about monopolizing all the ministry, right. as John Stott uh, said in that quote that I mentioned yesterday, um, but about this idea of, of multiplying yourself, raising mm -hmm. up leaders, equipping and empowering people. And so um, I really, the reason why I think for me it's, it's such a passion is because I really do realize what an impact the church can make sure. in the world mm -hmm. if every single Christian actually uh, believed that to be true. So, yeah. um, well, when we were creating the, the series as the teaching team, and putting all the titles, once you say, this is my life verse, which you did about Ephesians, I was like, <laughs> I feel like you have to preach on that topic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but it was a phenomenal sermon. So yes. I, I didn't start off that way. Uh, loved it. Loved every second of it. It was super engaged. So just a great job with that. Appreciate mm -hmm. it. Yeah, I, I think, you know, one of the one of the things with this topic is that people have a lot of reservations. I mean, um, there's a lot that comes with this topic, and, and I hope we'll be able to get into that. But one of the questions I want to throw out is, right, with any given word, there's, there's certain connotations, right? We use words in society. Words have meanings, but the way that people perceive them or the things right. that they think about when they hear a word oftentimes is going to be different from person to person. Mm -hmm. So one of the questions I want to throw out is, what do you think most people think about when they hear the term ministry? I think that term in and of itself is one of those terms that has all kinds of connotations, particularly for those who maybe have grown up in right. the church. But, but what is it that you think people are thinking about when they hear that term ministry? Mm -hmm. I think people picture in their mind people who work on staff at a church, so pastors, church leaders, that those are the ones who are doing ministry in the world. So I think that's initially what comes to people's mm -hmm. mind when they think about that. Um, I think some other things they can think about is maybe the fact that it's intimidating to even think about that or think about how that, if they are thinking that it could apply to their lives, I think it's intimidating for them to think how it could apply to their lives. Yeah. So um, I think a lot of people have hesitations. They don't feel qualified enough to do ministry, and they think it should just be left to the people who have had that training mm. or are on staff at a church. 100% agree. I, I was raised in the ministry. My dad's a pastor, so I was raised uh, in a pastor's home. And so that was a term that was really familiar to us. And even something our church stressed, uh, our church stressed for people to go into full-time ministry, or they would mm -hmm. just say the term ministry, you know, pray that God will lead you or call you into ministry. And I think the positive of it was there was a lot of people, even a disproportional amount percentage-wise of people that were in the youth ministry that would go into full-time ministry, uh, the negative of it was it does give you that mindset. There are some called to ministry, and yeah, everyone yeah. else is not. And I think there is that dynamic of, like, you can use the term ministry, and, and people will think full-time the same way that if you use the term teacher. So Mary, by trade, is a teacher. And so you would when you hear that, it's like, okay, no, you have been trained in that. You're right. qualified for that. Everyone else is not. And so I think those types of terminology in our minds are positional and, mm -hmm. and connected to training and education and different things. And so that's been one of the negatives in yeah. church is yeah. that we hear that term and we think, oh, that's, that's for the elect, that's for the select, that's for the trained. And so it hinders, I think, really what you're talking about, what Scripture yeah. is commissioning mm -hmm. us to do. I think that's a good point. I, I think it's a, maybe a cautionary word for those of us who are mm -hmm. in pastoral ministry and, and leadership. It's almost be careful how you communicate yeah, things, be, sure. caref be careful how you talk about things, because yeah. you're right, I, I do think that's a common expression, you know, this person was called into ministry. Well, if you fill in the gap there, that means this is a unique thing, right? This right. person is called, and maybe other people are called to do other things. So then there's that there's that dividing line, and maybe we could touch on this a little bit too, where it, it becomes it becomes muddy, becomes muddy water when we talk about like vocation, and that fits into this as well, right? Because mm -hmm. 
for people who are on staff at a church, it's vocation and also ministry Mm -hmm. in the sense that they're kind of one in the same, where people who are working in the secular marketplace, the concept of ministry maybe takes on a little bit different flavor. So uh, what are you guys' thoughts on that? I mean, I I think a lot of times, even in the, the topic of calling, which I know we even addressed early on in this series, we're talking about calling and ministry, and then there's vocation. I think there's a lot of confusion there. I mean, how do yeah. we how do we kind of discern what we're talking about when we're talking about those things? Is it we need to be more clear in our mm-hmm. verbiage, what we're saying about that? Is it that they're one and the same? Because I do think there's a lot of people out there who maybe are, are doing jobs that they don't necessarily enjoy, or mm-hmm. they feel it's a job that's void of purpose. So they don't right. feel like what they're doing is actually that significant. For sure. I, I do. I think the tension that you've acknowledged is really the tension we, that... When people, when they think about ministry, they oftentimes think about pastors, directors, people that are on full-time at a church. And this is one of the dynamics of, of being a person of faith is the actual idea of ministry is for everyone who's a Christian. That's the qualification. So like in our culture, we do, titles do matter to us in, in the sense that it gives us clarity and what we're supposed to be doing. Mm-hmm. So like I, I use an example of teacher, but uh, your, your brothers are, or your brother is an engineer. And so like you get that title and it's like, okay, that's what you've been trained to do. That's your role. And then the next person might be uh, whatever it might be. They might be a physical therapist and this person might work in a factory. And, and so like in our minds, we just put people in those categories. Like those are the people who do that job. Those are the people mm-hmm. who do that job. But in Christianity, the job is ministry. The mm-hmm. job is right. representing Jesus to the world. And so I think just opening our people's minds up to this was powerful. I know yeah. it was yesterday. And even when I talked about calling, now it's been multiple weeks ago, mm-hmm. there were a lot of people that said it actually freed them up to some capacity because they're in this job that they don't love. Mm-hmm. They're in, yeah. They could see it as a dead-end job mm-hmm. or a not-fulfilling job. And they said, all of a sudden they realized, wait, there is opportunity around me. And, and that's the key. I think we need to be clear that there is something unique about being called full-time into ministry. I don't want to even belittle that because sure. I, there is that calling where God says, I yep. have uniquely called you to do this specific thing. So in that sense, this is our profession. This is our life. But it is, as you quoted in Ephesians, to train other people to do ministry in every aspect of their life. And so there is that. I think we need to do a better job in communicating mm. that. I really do. I and yeah. yeah. I was thinking as you were both talking, it would be neat if instead of asking people who are Christians, like as youth are coming up, what career do you want to go into? Just referring it to like what type of ministry do you want to go into mm-hmm. yeah. in that wherever you are, whether it is an engineer or a doctor yeah. or medical field or whatever, this you are called to ministry. Mm-hmm. It's right. just what is your gifting or your calling. Yeah. What it's unique to you yep. that you can minister in. Yeah. And I think that just shifting that because growing up, I grew up in a church and I, uh, you know, loved the church, knew I was going to be a Christian throughout my life, but yet at the same time, didn't even consider ministry going on staff, I should say. I didn't mm-hmm. consider that as an option. And, but I think that we, you can use any other mm-hmm. career that you want to go into and just recognize, no, like you have a ministry here. Like God has called you here, has placed you here, which I think both messages, the one that you just taught, Anthony, and the one on calling that you taught several weeks ago, does challenge people's minds yeah. that they have yeah. the same opportunity, if not more, I than someone that. who is working yes. at a church. Yes. <laughs> and you made that point yesterday. You're like, yeah. what, you know, Lancaster, if you just look at Lancaster, it's 40,000 people what's a better percentage? And, and you made a, a joke about it that you're like, I didn't love math, but I, these numbers make sense, right? <laughs> yeah. Is Who's going to be more successful? The yeah. 20 right. on staff right. or the 2,000 plus that call our church home? Yeah. It's obviously the 2,000 plus. I mean, even for us, like when, when you start getting to a point where you're a size like we are, where you're a percentage of the city, I mean, like 5%, yeah. And probably even more than that, because, you know, if you have 2,000 attend on a weekend, you more likely have 3,000, 4,000 that call your church that's, home. Yeah, and that's why I even said 2,000 plus, because if you look yeah. at, I mean, I know we have, uh, you know, like databases and stuff that show how many people in the last year have been, like, actually interacting. It's much more than 2,000 people. Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the average person now goes to church 1.7 times a month. So realistically, if you play those numbers with our church, that's 5,000 plus people that call yeah. our church home. Yeah. And so like when you look at that, it's like, yeah, you at that point, if everyone is doing ministry, yeah. then you do start to change the culture. Mm-hmm. You, I mean, you start to have an incredible impact. And I'll never have an impact in any of those jobs at yep. places. Um, those people will, mm-hmm. like yeah. so where they go into. And so like 
the for us on full time staff, our ministry is to equip to send out, mm -hmm. and that and when people do that, that's when we start to see generational impact. Mm -hmm. I, I was sure. thinking, you know, for campuses, obviously we've done like the heat maps to kind of see where people are coming from. Right. It would be really neat if you did that for everybody in the church. So every, so let's say the last year, all the people that have been interacting here at the tree church yeah. to do a heat map and to see like where they live and where they work. Yeah. But just to see, it would be like a, you know, a shotgun pattern where it's just yeah. all over the place. And you think about that in, in reference to, again, church staff. I mean, we spend most of our time during the week. We're here at the building with one another in preparation, planning, prayer, all the yeah. stuff that comes for trying to equip people and empower people and serve people well. But you do think all those people are out there spending most of their weeks in the secular marketplace, mm -hmm. all over right. the place, in all kinds of professions, in schools, in hospitals. And you think, man, if everybody had that perspective that mm -hmm. every day they got up for work, today is another day to do ministry. Today is another day to serve people. Today is another yeah. day to show Jesus in my words, in my deeds. Mm -hmm. Truly, what a massive impact that could be. I used to make jokes um, because, you know, people scoff at the, the people with Christian signs on like right. the side of the road and stuff. Probably not the best ministry tactic, sure. but bless them in their hearts, right? They, they want people to know, they want right. people to know Jesus. Yeah. They want people to hear the gospel. But I always said people wouldn't have to do that if every single Christian was faithful in their yeah. sphere of influence. Yeah. Like truly think about that. You would be eliminating that because just by sheer number of Christians, or even just looking at the people at our church alone, as you just said, if it's four or 5,000 people in a city of 40,000, I mean, just imagine how widespread the influence yeah. and mm -hmm. impact could be if everybody took that seriously. You brought up another tension because there is an element of, of people being called into vocational mm -hmm. ministry, like a specific gift set. Um, I once heard a pastor, he was talking about this, this, this kind of a problem or a dilemma. And he was just, he, he was really criticizing how oftentimes when a young person maybe has a passion for scripture, a passion to, to do ministry, the automatic assumption is, oh, you should be a pastor. You right. should go into vocational ministry. And I think what he was getting at is, he, he was saying, if we do that every single time, then we're, we're setting the bar so low to say that everybody else who's not doing that, basically, like the expectation is that they wouldn't be passionate about scripture. They wouldn't right, be passionate yeah. about the gospel. But he was bringing up even a practical problem there is like, if everybody who is passionate is called to vocational ministry in the church, then what does that right. say about the world? What does that say about everybody else? Yeah. Sure. You know, so I do think that there's a little bit of a tension there um, that we have to wrestle with. Another um, one of those like Instagram, you know, preachers or whatever you will, you know, the people that sponsor their own preaching and ads and stuff. There was one though I always laughed at. It was a guy talking about this dilemma of uh, vocation and calling. And he, he kind of joked and said, you know, you're not an engineer because you're called to be an engineer. You're an engineer because you're a nerd, you know? And he, <laughs> he was just making this point of like, because you're smart or you're good with numbers or you're good with this or that. But the primary calling again is ministry. It's, right. it's right. to be Jesus where you are. Yeah. So I just think that's such a, a, an important perspective shift. Yeah, mm -hmm. Mary and I were, uh, we like to, whether we're running or working out, if it's just the two of us, we'll listen to a sermon uh, from other pastors uh, around the country. And we were listening to one by Matt Chandler out of Dallas uh, about, he was talking about purpose. And one of the things we reflected on later that we enjoyed was he, in there, he was just talking about, he goes, you know, God wired some of you to, to, to be intelligent, to be successful, and even gave you jobs where you make a certain amount of money that allowed you to buy a house in a certain zip mm -hmm. code and, and, and neighborhood so that you could do ministry in that specific area. And both yeah. of us reflected on that after how it hit us of like, because he was saying basically the same concept as you is wherever you find yourself, that's where you're called. Mm -hmm. God has called you there to do ministry and to open people's minds up to that. And like, uh, without getting hyper-specific, because we're not doing this for this podcast, but we've had neighbors recently that have just kind of gone through a season, and Mary just feels really purposed to love them, to love mm -hmm. them well, yeah. uh, to go and just check on them and, and see how they're doing. And it's really been a blessing to them. And it is like having that mindset. Uh, honestly, your sermon convicted me. Mary's behavior convicted me <laughs> that I find myself so captivated by the urgent that I don't at times just open my eyes mm -hmm. up to see the possibilities that are around me. And I'm like, if I'm in full-time ministry and yet ministry is only happening inside my office hours, I too am failing. And mm -hmm. like, and that's the conviction that I have. So like, yeah, so Sunday I was like loving the message and hating it all at the same time <laughs> where you're like, oh man, this is, this is brutal, you know? Yeah. But. Yeah. It's easy to think even in that message that you're referring to that you're just randomly placed, like you just randomly happen to be, have bought a house mm -hmm. in this area and be living mm -hmm. here. 
and that challenged me like no god opened up doors i mean god op- we have yeah. a testimony about our house where mm-hmm. god opened up a sure, door for yeah. us to be able to purchase that yeah. house at the low cost that we were to live in this neighborhood and then you just think okay he's done all that there's a reason why mm-hmm. we're here and, and mm-hmm. everyone can say that yeah. you, know, you are placed where god desires for you to be and, yeah. Yeah. yeah mary and i were on a walk this is a few weeks ago if you, if you remember this uh, you talk about conviction, okay? So, like, we're walking, and she's like, we need to invite all of our neighbors over. Do you remember saying this to me? Yeah. What was my response? <laughs> I can't remember. I was like, hard pass. Like, <laughs> like initially. Hard pass. Not hard pass. <laughs> yeah, I was just, like, in my mind of, like, a bunch of people I don't know, like, at my house. Like, there's just that part of it. And then, I mean, honestly, I'm not even being funny here or trying to be hyper-spiritual. And then after that, it was like, I don't know if you ever have these moments where you say something and it just feels like for the next few weeks, the Holy Spirit just brings that back to you over and over again mm-hmm. of like it, through opportunity, sure. like. Well, mindset. that was the day when we got home that day. Then, uh, like an hour later, there were fire trucks at our neighbor's house. The yeah. one that you talk about went through a tough time, and so then it was like led to checking on them mm-hmm. and the different conversations that we've been having. It, I think all of yeah. this is just, and then your message is just kind of all flowing together. Like, okay. Yeah. Sunday day, God, the first service, I was like, I doing. get it. <laughs> I get it. All right, God, it's <laughs> yeah. crystal clear. Yeah. At one point, I'm not even joking. I was talking about this earlier with the staff. Uh, I, there was some, at one point when you were teaching, I got so lost in the fact that I'm in this room with all these other people that you said something and I went, Oh man, <laughs> like I said it out loud because I was taking notes. Like, oh, that really got me. Uh, but yeah, it's challenging. But again, it's it's is that reminder to have eyes that just go, okay, show me the opportunities. And mm-hmm. I think when you have eyes that say that to God, show me the opportunities. You will be shocked at the opportunities that are there every single day. Yeah, every environment that you go into, from your waiter waitress to like your your kids' schools to uh, yeah, just I mean I could go down a thousand examples, but it is just re- refocusing our brains to think yeah. that way. Well, something you you said even just about um, you know being in a being in a room, being in your house with a bunch of neighbors that maybe you don't know very mm-hmm. well that there there is something uncomfortable with that. And I and I alluded to that mm-hmm. during the message right when I said our natural tendency is to hang out with people that basically give something to us in return. We we sure. like their yeah. personality, they're humorous, they you know have similar way of thinking, whatever it is. Like I mean, that's the nature of friendship, if we're mm-hmm. being completely honest. And yeah. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Sure. Um, one of the ways that I've characterized this to people, though, as a Christian, to me, there are really two main types of relationships. There are people in your life that, that fill you up, hopefully you fill them up, but it's more of a reciprocal type of relationship. We might call it a kind of fellowship-oriented relationship, right. a, a Christian-based type relationship. But then there is the ministry type of relationship where it's, yeah. it's people who are not Christians or people who don't maybe have anything uh, normally that you would pursue. Like it's they don't bring something to me or they're honestly, they're a difficult person to be around. Yeah. And so it really is more of a give than it, than it is a take relationship. And I think it's just being mindful of that. When you think about, okay, who am I hanging out with? Who are the people yeah. that I surround myself with on a daily basis or a weekly basis? Are there any of those people in my life that I'm actually intentionally pursuing for the sake of of bringing Jesus to them, for sake for the sake of being a blessing to them, mm-hmm. uh, something else you said earlier that made me think of this. This is one of the questions that I had. Um, you were talking about if ministry only happens kind of during office hours, right? When right. you're at church. Here's a question I want to throw out: Are there any blind spots for those of us who are on church staff? Like when it comes to this topic of ministry, because I think what can happen is. People have that perspective of, oh, man, it would be great to be able to do ministry as a vocation, right? To spend mm-hmm. all your time focused on that. But on the flip side, is there is there kind of a dark side to that in that are there things that we sometimes maybe miss yeah. because we're inside the church world all the time? And so maybe it is our focus or what we're mm-hmm. thinking about or maybe a loss of perspective. What, what are you guys' thoughts on that? Mm-hmm. I would say absolutely. I, I think that the tension for us as staff members is our ministry is to equip. So we think very systematically and especially our environment. If you come on staff, it doesn't take, I mean, I'm sure you picked it up real quick in our process that everything we do is systematic because when you're dealing with thousands of people, you can't just treat everything as a case by case basis (laughs) because you would just, it would be so inefficient that actually Mm -hmm. people would be damaged in the process. And and it's, it, the church wouldn't be as large as it is. We wouldn't have the impact. So we have to think systematically. So like if a person comes in, we have systems. So like yeah. they come in and, and they uh, have relational problems. They go into that part of the system. They come in and there's financial problems. There's a system for that. They come in, there's health issues. There's a system for that. Like they their water heater quit working. There's a system for that. Like 
so we think so systematic that I think it's we have to be purposed. The negative of it is at times we lose the one on one intentionality if we're not careful. Um, and I'm not saying everyone does. It. I'm just saying if we're not careful that we can and it's not even uh, we're not loving people well. It's that we just are so focused of like, let's get you in the system to get you the best help possible mm -hmm. because we want the end to be good. And so we love people. I know for me, and I would say Mary's way better at this than I am because she is so relational in that sense. But for me, I have to slow myself down and sometimes just go, you know what, just meet this person exactly where they are to listen, to hear, and not to put them into the system just so I can connect. And, um, and so I have to really work on that. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I would say it, it's hard for us sometimes that mm -hmm. way. Yeah. I, and even maybe, um, I, I agree with what you're saying. Absolutely. But I also think sometimes it, you can fall, I can at least into the trap of thinking, okay, this is where I do ministry. And then at times when I go out into my other part of my life mm -hmm. that I don't, I, this sounds harsh, but sometimes maybe I don't want to be bothered mm -hmm. with the ministry yeah. that's there. Cause I sure, think, sure. no, I just need a break. Like I do ministry <laughs> during my Been job hours. all day long. <laughs> right. Yeah. But that is exactly what we're encouraging mm. other people to do is like any situation you're in, look for the opportunities to do yeah, ministry. Mm -hmm. And so I have to do that as well, even if it is draining at times. I'm not saying we don't all need time to recoup and mm -hmm. refresh. But like if I go to a sporting event tonight and somebody needs some ministry there, mm -hmm. that should be my heart to mm -hmm. minister to them, not sorry, you know, five o'clock because it's past <laughs> right. five o'clock. Those are my yeah, work up. hours, you yeah. know? Yeah. And so I think just recognizing what we're, what the call is for everyone is the same call that's for, for me. Yeah. So, um, the truth of it is, and, and I, Mary, she, she's humble about this, but Mary is so intentional about having very intentional relational conversations with people and mm -hmm. ministry conversations. Mm -hmm. It is not uncommon for Mary to tell me of a very long ministry-based conversation that she, that she had with someone. So her demeanor is, is much more, uh, puts people at ease mm -hmm. and is inviting than, than mine is naturally, but she makes time for it. For every one converse, every one conversation that I have with someone relationally, Mary has 10 and like connects with, and this is something her mom was like. Mm. Uh, her mom, like I remember growing up, her mom was my teacher in high school. Um, but just to hear the stories, like her mom would go into a bathroom and come out and, and have like this woman's life story and her phone number and she'd follow up. You know what I'm talking mm -hmm. about? Like yeah. wow. when she was traveling and stuff and I'm like, how in the world does that happen? But Mary can tell <laughs> you the life story of like the people who checked it out at uh, Aldi's and like different things. And it, it, you can look at it like for me, I could look at it and go like, man, Mary just has like the most incredible luck that way. <laughs> or you can realize, no, Mary makes space for mm. it. And that's what like yesterday mm. in your message that was so convicting to me was what is it? This is a question I asked myself. I mean, I seriously was just having a personalized moment yesterday of just reflection of what in my life is causing me to not have more of those moments? Because mm -hmm. I know they're available. I know they're there. But what is it in my body language? What is it in even the pace in which I walk? Uh, because I know like if Mary asked me to go, go to a store, I'm not walking through the store looking for a ministry opportunity, right? Like, I, I'm like... Getting the job done. Yeah, yeah. if she gives me a list at Aldi, she literally will say, like, item one is, like, nine steps down on the right on this aisle, and this one's on the other side. And so in my mind, like, let's get in and let's get out. You have to stop and, and have that heart of what Jesus had of where is the ministry opportunity? Like, he recognized Zacchaeus in the tree mm -hmm. and says, like, come on down. Let, this is an opportunity and for me, I probably would have walked past the tree and, <laughs> and, and or seen Zacchaeus and not thought ministry. Mm -hmm. And that was the conviction for me. That was the take home yesterday was to look, to just slow mm -hmm. my life down, change my posture, to invite it in. Because mm -hmm. if it's there and I'm missing it, how sad is that for yeah. me? Like, what a missed opportunity. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's so true. Both of what you said, I, I think for, for me, particularly in ministry, um, you know, it can become just a job in that, you know, especially if you become like anything else, if you're if you're systems minded or if you are a person who values being efficient, you, you start to do things because it's best practice to do them. Yeah. And so mm -hmm. you almost get into this mode of we do this this way. And therefore, it's almost like unconscious or subconscious right. in the sense that you just do it because this is what we do. Yeah. And, and I think the danger of that, at least for me, is you can you can lose the heart behind it. Mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I was saying earlier is. Uh, part of my own conversion story is like immediately after that, just a ha having a heart for evangelism. I just, I mean, I had so many conversations with 
people that I had partied with and people that I was in high school with. And God was just so abundantly gracious in that he put me in those you know, areas with those people that right. I had lamented at one point, man, I, I wish I hadn't been such an idiot in high school <laughs> and had used the opportunity to be a positive influence in people's lives. And so uh, there's a part of it for me, this, this blind spot, if you will, of being in the church is almost for, forgetting about the lost. And that sounds weird because we would say to some degree, the entire orientation of the church is wanting to reach mm-hmm. lost people. But as an indiv- individual and with what you said, it's like you're here all day, you're thinking about ministry, you're doing things, you're meeting with people, talking to people, um, that we can lose sight of those people that are out there that, that don't have the hope of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I would say uh, I would envy, so people might envy being in vocational ministry, I envy to some degree in a healthy way, um, yeah. That, that there are so many people out there that get to rub shoulders with non-believers yeah. every single day. Yeah, mm-hmm. they, they have opportunities. I remember uh, for a short stint of time in between, I think my brother was maybe in college, he was working at Menards. Um, this is in Northeastern Ohio, but he was working there and he just would come home with stories every day of just like the people there complaining and the stuff that they were talking about, his coworkers. And I just remember thinking like, oh man, like I wish I could be there. I wish I could have <laughs> conversations with these people. Now I know there are people going to listen to this thing. No, you don't. No, you you don't, don't want to be there. You don't want to hear, you know, the people complaining and gossiping and all that stuff. But there is that heart behind it that I have of like, man, the reason these people are doing these things is because they don't know there's a better right. way. They mm-hmm. don't know the hope that we have. They don't know that there's a better way to live. And so for me, I think that's that would be my encouragement almost in, in seeing our own blind spots or maybe yeah. uh, some of the uh, some of the weaknesses, if you will, maybe that's not the right word, of being in vocational mm-hmm. ministry is to take that opportunity yeah. to realize you are in a specific sphere of influence with people, as you said earlier, that we're probably never going to rub shoulders with or have a conversation with mm-hmm. Unless those people do that and they become Christians and they right. show up to the church or they're invited. And mm-hmm. so I, I think um, it's always, it's kind of the grass is always greener on the other side, right? Mm-hmm. We, we can think right. in those terms, but it's being aware of where has God placed me? Um, and if he has a purpose and a calling for my life in this area, my vocation doesn't have to be perfectly ideal. My situation doesn't right. have to be right. perfectly ideal for me to begin opening my eyes to say, God, how are you trying to use me? You know, right. what are you trying to do in and through my life right now? Yeah, I mean, all of us as Christians, so to use the imagery that Paul does is that we are a body. Mm-hmm. And so we all have different roles. We, we are, for us that are on full-time staff, we are called to disciple and, and to create systems to help people be equipped. I mean, that really is the concept. So even in Ephesians where it's talking about it, it's, it is talking to some degree about organization. I mean, mm-hmm. these positions are given to the church to equip people to do the ministry. But the part we play is that you, when, the, when the, the rest of the congregation brings in their family and friends, mm-hmm. then we can help disciple them. So it, it is in a partnership that sure. we create an mm-hmm. environment to say, like, this is an environment that's healthy and safe for you to invite family and friends, and they're going to be discipled, but you have to be the inviting. So there right. are sometimes you, you talked about this on Sunday. Uh, as you've been a pastor in your life, that people will come to you with ministry ideas, and you're mm-hmm. like, well, who's going to lead it? Um, but there's, there's, there's some degree that there are people that even think that way of like, why don't uh, the church, like if they'll say something like, why doesn't the church do more in the community? As if it has to be this organized thing, yep. and, and to which we would push back and say, why don't you do more in the community? Mm-hmm. But it's the same concept. Why doesn't the church create some system? And this is the, the problem in a lot of churches today that are no longer growing and shrinking, is people in the church think they need to be doing more outreach to bring people in, and in actuality, no, every single person who calls themselves a Christian needs to be doing the evangelism. Mm-hmm. Uh, this really is even our heart for campuses, yeah. is we know drawing people from far away is more and more difficult. Mm-hmm. But if we can put churches in communities, that allows people in those communities to invite family and friends to right. a, a place that's in proximity that they'll be more likely to go to. But I think everyone needs to understand we all play a part. Mm-hmm. And so Absolutely. it's not necessarily, there's not a hierarchy in the sense of what's who is more important in God's mm-hmm. eyes. So God doesn't mm-hmm. look at uh, us three as teachers and go like, okay, they're at this level and everyone <laughs> right. else is here. Right. It's, I've uniquely gifted them to teach, but I've right. uniquely placed you to love people that they'll never have access to yep. because we won't go into their work environments. I mean, I remember this is, I've been in ministry for a long time now. The last non-ministry job that I had was landscaping and I was a Christian. I was in Bible college at the time and I had ministry opportunities all the time, mm-hmm. all the time. Yep. Like my bosses yep. who were substantially older than me came to me and I have to be honest, I never once said to anyone, I never witnessed anyone, like just outright witness mm-hmm. and initiated the conversations, which I regret, but I never did. 
but just the knowledge of, I was going to Bible college. That's a pretty big, obvious one, right? Sure. <laughs> um, but I didn't cuss. I, I was super ethical. I showed up on time. I worked hard. Um, I always went above and beyond, kind to everyone. That, that led to just the opportunity for yeah. spiritual conversations where they would take me aside. Like I remember my boss, his name was Guy, um, just coming to me going, can I share something that I'm going through in my life? And I was like, absolutely. So here I am at that time, 19 years old probably, uh, and he's pr- late 30s, maybe 40s. And he's pouring his heart out to me, and I got an opportunity to pray for him. My other boss, the owner of the company, same thing. And then people would come in. We'd, we'd hire temp workers for different jobs. Mm-hmm. And while we're I'm working with them for a couple of days, they're asking me questions. And I just remember thinking, like, this is so weird that they're asking me questions, and I'm not the one initiating it. But I, I do think there's such a hunger in the world. And that's why right. you get conversations all the time is you just – like show love to someone. It doesn't have to be connected to Christianity. You show love to them and that meets a need in their heart and they all of a sudden feel safe. Mm -hmm. So they just start pouring stuff out, not even hoping for a Christian perspective, Mm -hmm. but then you go, well, here, let me tell you the hope that I have. You know, this is what Peter tells us. We should be ready to do that. This is the hope that I have. This is the reason why. Mm -hmm. But I, again, I think it is so much that we get so caught up in like getting my job done, Mm -hmm. doing my things. And we have these blinders on that we missed the opportunities. That's yeah. my conviction. Yeah. That that I that was my takeaway of like slow yourself down and look. Um, yeah. So. Mm-hmm. So practically, what what do you guys think? Um, so we we've alluded to this earlier. I think you had mentioned a few things, but what are some of the biggest stumbling blocks for for people to be engaged in ministry in everyday life? I mean, what what are the real practical reservations? I mean, what do you think? is going through people's minds and the reason why they're not thinking about things that I talked about yesterday, you know, like yeah. this, this idea of looking for opportunities, waking up every morning, where are those opportunities right. or, yeah. or, uh, being open when they, you know, ultimately show up at their doorstep, you know, and being open to that and thinking in this perspective. So what are some mm-hmm. of the reasons why people aren't doing this? Yeah. I think sometimes people, when they think about ministry, they're thinking they have to have the answer for every Mm. question, every Bible question. So they're scared to even share their faith Mm. at all because they're scared somebody's going to ask them a really difficult question that they don't have the answer to. So I hear that a lot, Mm -hmm. that people are really anxious about that. Um, They don't feel qualified, so they might not feel like they're living a life that completely reflects God, Mm. so then therefore they feel like they can't share their faith. So I think those are some theological things that are stumbling blocks, but I think busyness and just what you were referencing, Matthew, being in your own life and thinking, okay, I've got to get this done, this done, this done. We've, you spoke to it yesterday. Mm -hmm. We just have not created margin in our life to have the opportunity to have time to see people and to see their needs and to meet their needs. So I think all of those things play into it. Yeah. That's literally what I was going to say. It, it literally <laughs> was those two things. I think it is, I can't answer all the questions, so I don't mm-hmm. have the knowledge. And you've seen me not be perfect. As if that's the disqualifier for mm-hmm. all people. But mm-hmm. I, I think that's where we have to take a step back and, and realize what God's called us to be as his imagers to the world mm-hmm. is a reflection to him of him to people. And I think people will give us grace if the, the typical pattern of our behavior is, is loving. Yeah. Is, is kind, is patient. Right. Like no one expects perfection. So, mm-hmm. and I would even say that's when a great apology can come in to even say to someone, you know, I realize I, I didn't handle that situation well. Yeah. What, what a great witness that is to say to someone, because you, you don't hear that very often mm-hmm. in a, probably a secular work environment. Uh, if someone comes to you and wants to gossip and you go, hey, you know what? I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to gossip because I just wouldn't hate for someone to do it to me. Again, that you might get a little pushback from that, but it, man, what an example yeah. and a witness mm-hmm. that is that like I'm not going to engage uh, in that. I mean, I remember I, I, we've talked about this numerous times before uh, in other environments, but her brother John, uh, her younger brother John, was, it was two years younger than me in high school, and I remember. So I had a guy that was in her class as a year older. His name was Mike Susan, and then her brother John. Both of them had the same policy. They would never listen to gossip. Mm. And so I remember people would come to Mike and try to tell him something, and he would just go, "Hey, you know what?" I, I'm not going to listen to that. Like I, that person's not here. I don't want to hear it. And uh, it, man, it'd be, that puts you in your place quick, <laughs> right. right? But her brother, John would do the same thing. But what that also told you, if you're in the room listening, the person who's trying to gossip, they might feel embarrassed, but everyone else who's listening goes, that person's safe. Mm-hmm. That person's safe to go to. And, yeah. um, and so I, I think the, the whole reason I'm saying all of that is I think we think we have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. I think we have to be loving when we're yeah. loving and kind 
That's what gives us, I think, access to people because they look at your life and they go, well, there's something different about you and you're Mm -hmm. safe. So even if I don't have the exact same convictions as you, you, you're safe. And so I'm willing to give you the benefit of the doubt because let's be honest, if you're the self-righteous guy and you have all the answers, so Mm -hmm. you, from everyone's perspective, they're watching you and they don't necessarily see you mess up and then you, but you have all the answers and you want to argue every theological principle and like <laughs> people aren't attracted to that yeah, as absolutely. much. And, and so that's the tension of it is I think that's the insecurity we have, but I don't think it's rooted in truth. Mm-hmm. Loving is something that's a universal language that people can be drawn to. Mm-hmm. You, you just made me think of something that I wasn't thinking about prior, but I, I think it's such a great point. Um, I think it's one of the things we see nowadays from a lot of Christians, particularly on social media. I would say social media is where everything is oftentimes displayed, right. and most of the time it's it's not good stuff. Um, but I think the, the word that came to mind is militant, that some Christians can come across as being very militant. Yeah. And, and almost this perceived like culture war in the sense that we feel like we have to defend Jesus and that we're fighting his battles in the sense of that we're coming across as if we're waging a war rather than view. So it's almost like the perspective of these are enemies to be conquered rather yeah. than people to be loved. And, and I think that's what you were getting at. And so even if we just flip our perspective, like in a workplace where you're going every day, if, if people know you as the self-righteous Christian who does have all the answers, who's always preaching and kind of in this judgmental posture, right. looking down and kind of criticizing everything in culture and everyone else, you're not going to be perceived as a safe person no, at all. No, and no. nothing about that is going to be perceived as attractive. But if you're looking for intentional ways to actually edify someone's life, build them up, mm-hmm. encourage them, mm-hmm. love them, be a listening ear, be a loving presence, whatever that looks like. And I mean, even small things, bringing, showing up, bringing donuts or coffee, right. just showing people that you're thinking about them, that you have a heart of compassion and care and concern. I mean, that is going to be a bridge building type of thing. And, and that's, mm-hmm. I mean, even in the message yesterday, the very story of Zacchaeus, I think about someone like Zacchaeus today in reference to what I was just talking about how Christians would respond to someone like Zacchaeus. It's exactly how the first century Jews responded to someone like Zacchaeus. (laughs) They grumbled. They grumbled that Jesus was hanging out with them. Jesus is not concerned with that, though. Jesus is concerned with the reality that Zacchaeus is a human being. He's an image bearer of God, clearly very lost. And and that's why every time I read that story, it almost brings me to tears Mm -hmm. because you have this just beautiful picture of Zacchaeus' life being transformed. Why? Mm -hmm. Because Jesus took the time to be intentional, to love him where he was, despite the fact that he didn't deserve it, right? right? He's on the bottom of the totem pole socially because of his lifestyle, his actions. And I think today, something like that, the, tr- the translation of that is we, we feel like we have to be militant against these things. And, and this, is, this goes without saying because you've, you've done so well in addressing. That's not to say that we are complacent with the things in culture, the, the immorality right. and things that we see, mm-hmm. but it's ultimately what is our posture? How do we right. address these issues? How do we yeah. approach people and that, to me, is going to be the massive difference maker. 100%. So, yeah, so if you think about it in a strategic way, so if, if the first century Jews were against Zacchaeus, them, them being against him would have never changed him. Like, this is what you just said. Yeah. It, if we're going to be against the behavior of someone, we have to also take a step back and think, but how can I effectively see change in their life? Right. And being against a person, will never it will never happen. So right. even the language that we have, it is oftentimes misused in Christianity. So we, we have languages of the idea of a battle, that mm-hmm. we have this struggle. So even Paul, you know, we wrestle not against flesh and blood. And right. even the term for wrestle, it's like, it really is like grappling to the ground. I mean, it's, it's mm-hmm. like warfare imagery, but we need to understand what it doesn't say. We're wrestling <laughs> against principalities and powers, like this spiritual realm. Yeah. It never says we wrestle against people. It, no. It's not, people are still the purpose. So Jesus was wrestling and fighting against principalities and powers by loving people yeah. that no one else loved so that they could be radically changed. And I do agree with you. And I, and I have leveraged my influence a lot over the last few years, sometimes to the offense, people get offended by it, mm-hmm. that when Christians are more known for what they're against, then it has done a disservice to their ministry right. opportunities. Right. So like, if I'm against something that the other political party is doing, and I just spend all of my capital, whether it's on social media or in the office, if I'm talking or out and about, mm-hmm. just explaining what I'm against. Well, if there's a person who currently follows that, even if it's an unbiblical thing, mm-hmm. if there's a person who currently follows that or owns that or believes in that, all they hear is, I'm against you. Right. But when, yep. so like, people go like, yeah, but we got to fight against it. And I go, but how are we going to fight against it? By, by ostracizing all of these people that are potential people that Christ wants to know and transform them from the inside, 
you know, like that's the method we choose to do, or we can love them mm-hmm. with the hope that God can change them. Also recognizing our battle is not political. Our right. battle right. is right. not temporary in that sense. It's so much higher than that. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I would hate, I would hate to live a life where through my work, every single time my candidate won and I get to heaven and I didn't win a single person mm-hmm. to Christ and or yeah. drove people away from Christ. Yeah. And, and that's the, the perspective, I think, even in Christianity, it's not about knowing everything. It's not about fighting against everything. Mm-hmm. It's about what we're for and who we're for. And, and that's really, again, the heart of ministry is, is saying, like, I'm going to check what I say and what I do in order to reach people. There's another thing I want to add on to this, and I've thought about this numerous times when we've all been speaking, is ministry is a sacrifice. It, it is a sacrifice in the sense of there are times we go home and we are tired. <laughs> there are times that there are those high-maintenance relationships. There mm-hmm. are times, like, now this past week, you know, uh, I'm going to be vague on this because I don't... Uh, there was a situation we had a meeting that Mary and I were in where we could have just really locked our heels in and said like, but we are right. We're going to fight and stuff. I think both of us fairly quickly in the meeting realized I can either fight right now and so ostracize this relationship Mm. that we're we're never going to have a relationship again. You're going to feel awkward around me or we can just go, you know what? Okay. We can, for for a moment, we can just kind of in a sense surrender of like, Mm -hmm. okay, we're not going to see eye to eye. That's okay. But we both like just transitioned in the meeting to go, you know what? I just want to honor you. I, I still want to have a relationship yeah. and mean it genuinely. I'm not doing this for some like ulterior sure. motive of just going because I want the opportunity in the future to do ministry. I want the opportunity mm-hmm. to connect to this these individuals, this group and whatever it might be. And I think so often we're, we're not willing to surrender those rights, whether it be our time, our energy, our days off, whatever it might be. You get what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So. I was just thinking as you were talking, I had a kind of a neat experience a couple weeks ago. So last spring I had was getting my nails done at a uh, nail place and the woman who was working on my nails, she was super sweet. And we had a long conversation about things. She found out people usually ask where you work. Mm -hmm. So found out that I was working at a church. And so she knew nothing about Christianity. So she was asking me some questions. She's like, I'm very open spiritually. I just don't know exactly what I believe. So we talked about things. So I pointed her towards a church in the community that she lives in. She doesn't live in Lancaster. Showed her online where she could watch messages. Anyway, so then I was there this fall a couple weeks ago. And she, I don't, I didn't think that she remembered me. I don't think that she did remember me. Anyways, I recognized her as she was working on my nails and she, uh, we had a conversation for a little while and then I like didn't want to. So this is one of those stumbling boxes for sharing, like doing ministry is sometimes it's just awkward. Yeah. Like, so you can be kind to someone and that's not awkward. You can sure. be loving. That's not awkward. But when you actually are going to share your faith, it mm-hmm. can be awkward because you don't know how they're going to receive mm-hmm. it. Sure. So I just asked her, I said, Hey, in the spring, you know, we had a chance to be together and, and I was talking with you about this church. Did you ever have her ever have an opportunity to go visit and she's like you know what I didn't and I'm just really busy and so she went on to talk about her busy schedule and, and stuff, which was fine no I'm like of- okay that's the we're not gonna push this further sure. but something really neat she said is you know what after she'd been talking for a while she said I come in contact with a lot of people who go to church and who are Christians. And in my mind, I was thinking, oh, no, she's going to say, <laughs> yeah, and they gonna, are like this. Yeah, but she said, yeah. they are so kind. Mm-hmm. And oh, she so said, good. they yeah. are like the kindest people the, for my clients. And I just, I, I was so thankful that what that is how, change. yes, I was like, way to go, everybody who's, <laughs> who is her client. You know, I thought that was such a good representation. So even though she is not going to church yet. She's yeah. not like committing to anything. Right. That is how she is viewing Christians so far. And so I think we just have the opportunity, every single person who calls ourselves a right. Christian, we have the opportunity yeah. to give that feeling and that type of love to people rather than I'm fighting for this cause or here are my beliefs or mm. whatever. So we just have to right. be super that's, aware. That's a, a powerful seed that's planted mm-hmm. that the Holy Spirit can water now over and over in her life. So that if she comes to a point of needing someone that's safe, needing someone that's loving in a crisis moment, if she has a Christian in her life, she'll have that as her reflection right. of mm-hmm. like, these are the people to go to. And again, that's why there are times on social media that uh, I, I wish I had delete buttons for other Christians where I'm like, <laughs> just because even people I know and I mm-hmm. genuinely respect and right. go like, 
you have such an opportunity, but right now you're choosing to make a post that's only going to connect with people who already mm -hmm. agree with you. Yep. You're not changing anyone's mind. So right. by taking that hard stance on it, all you're doing is ostracizing potential people that you could love and yep. connect to later. I think the other thing too is uh, people might call it virtue signaling in the sense of it feels like you're doing something, right? Like in the sense yeah. of posting about a an mm -hmm. issue where you, you know, it's kind of hoorah, hoorah. Right. It, you, it, it's, it feels like you have the moral high ground. Yeah. And I think the real challenge and conviction should be, but are you actually doing something? Are you right. actually loving those people? Are you actually mm -hmm. pursuing those people relationally? Right. Are you yeah. willing to have a conversation? One of the things I was thinking about earlier when you were talking is, so I have a family member, they watch the news, like, I mean, a lot of the day, uh, but every night. And I hear so much anger and, the, and really almost this, this feeling of like this entire group of people is villainized. And I think the hesitation there, really the caution and danger of that is if you're ingesting things and, and in taking things in that are actually making you hate a certain group of people, mm -hmm. as a Christian, you should probably stop doing that. You know <laughs> right. what I mean? For sure. If, for it, sure. if it is not actually edifying you and helping you love people better, yeah. then mm -hmm. it's actually doing a disservice, not only to you as a, as a disciple and follower of Jesus, but to the kingdom of God. Like, how are you going to expand yeah. the kingdom if the things that you are focusing on are actually changing your perspective to villainize an entire group of people, because right. maybe, may, and again, maybe they are morally wrong, like from a biblical perspective, what yeah. they believe, what they think is opposed to what we, again, how are you treating those people? How are you right. thinking about them? Are you thinking about them as an enemy to be conquered or to be silenced or a person to be loved and shown Jesus yeah. in, in real mm -hmm. tangible ways? And I, I think that's a, a question a lot of people should probably ask themselves because mm -hmm. if we are doing that, then we're, we're really doing the kingdom of God a disservice. Right. Mm -hmm. So yeah. So take that same logic now and, and just apply it to your work environment. If you're hanging out with certain people that are constantly just complaining and or gossiping about someone else or your boss or different environments or the people at lunch that just constantly like, oh, this job is the worst. I do think you, you gotta you gotta pause and, and take a step back and go. Is this hindering my opportunity mm. to have the right heart to do ministry? Sure. Um, because again, it doesn't take much for you to to have your heart swayed a certain way, and then all of a sudden now you don't have open eyes to see ministry opportunities. Right. If you view your place as like this is an awful workplace that I have to just fight to get through, instead yeah. of this is a great opportunity. Other, like you might genuinely be suffering. It might be a really bad place to work. Sure. Sure. And everyone else might be. Well, that's an opportunity. Yep. That's an opportunity to be light in darkness, to bring encouragement, and even to change the vibe of a place by right. just being kind and, and helping people. So you do have to monitor, am I watching the news, am I even on social media? Like, I mean, I hate to have to say this, but I got off social media. I'm, I'm rarely on social media because reading people's posts was beginning to hinder my ability to love them well. Mm -hmm. I would see people that I that I know, even people part of the church, and they would post stuff that I felt was just, I'm not even talking about uh, disagreeing with their stance. It was the way it was being worded mm -hmm. that I was like, ah, this is driving me crazy. And I realized I can't continue to love people well by perpetually putting me in a place where I'm frustrated with people. Sure. And so like whatever it is that's causing that frustration, I want to remove it so that I can have that, that sensitive heart. When you think about Jesus, they said he withdrew often to pray. And you think about it, if there's ever a person that needed just that moment of like refreshing because he's perpetually around people who are not meeting the standard that that he has set and created them to set. Mm -hmm. I mean, being Jesus, I can't even imagine like how annoying that would be of like literally even his own disciples, those who are following him day in and day out were so consistently messing up mm. like... I mean, as a leader, he just he probably wanted to choke him out. So like he <laughs> just has that mindset though. He just refreshes himself, you know, so he can love well again, love well mm -hmm. again. Sure. And that's what he modeled for us is there needs to be the perpetual refreshing. And that's what your sermon was for me on Sunday. Legitimately was, it was like, oh, this is so good. I, I really just get to go to church, right? And like, so I went to church on Sunday and I was like, okay, this is the refresher of just like re mm -hmm. refocusing my mind. I had a really bad week last week. I'll be honest. So let me, let me just kind of take a jump back. So two weeks ago, I, I talk about, I, I even share personally, I am struggling with impatience and being gentle. Okay. I, I, I talked about the pastors with this. I was like, I thought after <laughs> speaking on Sunday that the next week I'd be at my most gentle and my most patient. Um, Mary, I just don't need you to say anything to agree with this at all. <laughs> but living with me this past week was hard. It was. I, mm -hmm. I had just some tension of some different things going on. And I was my least patient, my least gentle. And all that said, it was just like, so I had this like, ah, right? In my, in my, <laughs> my spirit. You guys know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. And, uh, and so like on Sunday, I realized 
I allowed temporary things to get my mind and eyes off the eternal. Mm. So I, I was fighting for temporary, missing eternal, and felt so convicted from that. But the good of it is it refocused me to where I go, okay, so what can I do this week to put my attention back on the eternal? I want to, I want to impact people's lives for the positive for the future. I want to use all my, le- my influence and everything I can leverage for positive, not to fight for my own rights. So again, we just need those moments, whether mm-hmm. it's a sermon, whether it's just us taking a step back, we need those moments. Otherwise, mm-hmm. the world just has a way of just getting us so distracted from the ministry that God has placed in front of us. Yeah, that's good. Well, I'll, I'll end with uh, this question. So yesterday I talked a little bit about um, kind of the example we see in Jesus, right? The uh, elements of the proactive ministry versus reactive. And, and just to kind of explain that for maybe anybody who didn't hear the message, um, you know, we, we see Jesus being intentional to pursue relationships with people, mm-hmm. right? So he goes out of his way to pursue relationships for the sake of ministry. But then you also see Jesus react to situations where people are coming to him mm-hmm. with needs. And, and specifically the story that we looked at was in Mark chapter five, the woman with the flow of blood, um, you know, he's in the crowd of people, she touches him, and he is in an urgent, really, he's in a hurry, right? He's heading right. to a place to heal a young girl who's literally on her deathbed, and yet Jesus takes time uh, to minister to this woman in, in front of all of these people. And so just that dynamic of both proactive and reactive, what do you guys think, and you can share maybe personally in your own lives or, or how you think maybe most people think about this, uh, but is it more difficult to create space intentionally to pursue people? Or is it more difficult to be open to interruptions in the midst of our schedules and to-do lists and Mm -hmm. going from point A to point B? Uh, What do you guys think? I think they're both hard. (laughs) (laughs) I I agree. uh, Yeah, so I think they're both hard. I would say probably being interrupted Mm. is harder for me personally because it's so easy to just get into a rhythm and a schedule of what needs to be done or... If I'm honest, I'm usually jam-packing my schedule mm-hmm. with things. So like trying to get every last activity in. And so to think about the interruption and what that can do, like to displace my time and other people's time that are counting on me, mm-hmm. that, that can be really difficult. Um, it's hard to pause. It was so touching. Every time I read that story here at Taught, just to to think about what that meant to that woman, Mm -hmm. like you referenced to not only be healed Mm -hmm. physically, but to be seen, like emotionally seen and have connection uh, is so beautiful. And just to think about the fact that that's what we're called to do is to see people Mm -hmm. that sometimes we don't desire to see or that we would desire to push off to the side who are difficult or who just seem to have a lot of problems Mm -hmm. and recognize you know, that's something Jesus would do for us, for each one of us. So, um, yeah, I, I personally think it's probably more difficult to be interrupted. Mm-hmm. I 100% agree. Yeah. Um, because we do have busy lives in general, mm-hmm. and not even necessarily in any sinful way. It's just for us being parents of four kids, um, it just, and, you know, pastor of a, a church and all different things, it, it is busy. So when you can schedule things and, and, put it in there, it's easier to then just go, okay, I've, I've made time for it, set aside time. Mm-hmm. When you do get interrupted, that is harder. Um, I will agree, your your way that you explain that story, I love that story. You made a point on Sunday that I've just never really spent time reflecting on was that the woman was already healed, Jesus could have continued. Mm-hmm. He didn't need to stop the healer, she was already healed because she touched them. He stopped to do something even deeper in her life from, a, from basically for all that time of being unseen and, mm-hmm. and unloved to be restored and to recognize. Cause I would imagine that she had fear in her when he stopped to acknowledge because, yeah. because he could have rebuked her. Right. Yep. And, and I think you said that in the service I was in that he could have rebuked her and it could have been a moment of shame, and, but he did just the opposite called her daughter, this affectionate term that you, you pointed out and, and, and honored her. And I thought there wasn't God, Jesus didn't just stop. He really ministered to her. And so yeah. again, I, again, it was just such a powerful mm-hmm. message. I, I was so encouraged and challenged by it, but this idea that, there was the urgency of what he was called to do did not change. He still needed to get to this place. Uh, granted, he's he's Jesus and he can raise the dead. So if she dies, but, but still. there's still a pressure, right? Yeah. There's an expectation yeah. from the crowd. There's an expectation from the people. He's on his way. There's a lot of things that made logical sense yeah. that Jesus just pushed all of that aside and was fully present in that moment to love her 
and for her life to be forever changed. She went away, not just physically healed. She went away with mental healing, emotional healing, um, positional healing in the sense of like the community that's everyone's like, get away is now like, okay, she's you know, accepted. She's accepted. Like Jesus did this for her. That was beautiful. And that was again, just so fresh on my mind and heart, even yesterday as I was ministering, um, not having to teach on Sunday is a gift uh, this past Sunday because it allows me not to be in any hurry. Mm-hmm. But I was able to have even longer conversations with people. And in it, I was just thinking about that as they're talking. I wanted them to be fully heard. I wanted mm-hmm. them to leave a conversation with me not feeling like I was in a hurry. And I, I do try to work hard on that. I, I, I'll i be honest. I, I don't like I try not to look around. I never want to do like this type of deal yeah, with, with people. Yeah. Uh, but there are just sometimes if someone's like talking to me, if I know I have to go preach here in a couple of minutes, it's like, like, I don't want to be rude in any way, but I'm like, I, I need you to wrap it up. But I didn't have to do that on Sunday. And I was just like fully present in some situations. And I was like, again, this is better ministry. Th- this is better than being in a hurry. Mm-hmm. And so that's where I'm at right now. It's like, uh, if I go into a store, I want to walk slowly. I, I want to look around. I want to be able to be interrupted. Mm. Um, yeah. So a funny story here real quick. Uh, you might have been with me. There's a, a lady that actually goes to another church. Uh, maybe the lady that, that has run into us at Aldi uh-huh. a couple of times. She goes to X Church, and uh, she <laughs> she lo- loves when I come to X Church, and she's the sweetest lady. I was walking in Aldi. This is uh, last year sometime, and she just goes, Pastor Matt. And I turned to her. I don't recognize her from anyone, you know, and I feel bad because I'm like, oh, I hate it that she's so excited to see right, me. Right. She goes to our church, and I don't know her. Uh-huh. You know, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. And uh, she just goes, I am so sorry. You have no idea who I am. <laughs> and I go, okay. And she goes, I go to X Church. And I was like, oh, and then we saw her at X Church the next time I spoke. I think it was like a week later, a couple weeks later or something like that. But, and uh, so anyway, yeah, it was just funny. That was a good interruption because yeah. she was being kind. But Well, it's funny because your, your role is unique in this too because in, in a community of 40,000 people, with a church of this size, I would imagine yeah. you get recognized a lot. So, sure, yeah. Um, and, and it's never a problem. It, sure, it, it isn't. Sure. Um, it, there was one time in all my years here that it annoyed me, and it was only because my, this is Mary went on a, a mother-son dance with the boys. I took Nora out to dinner, and we got interrupted like seven times in one dinner. And Nora's just a little girl. And, and people were being kind, but they were interrupting sure. to say hi. And Nora was like, like she asked me, said, Daddy, why do people keep coming to our table? And that was the only thing is like, <laughs> for her sake, I was like, I didn't want her to feel like she wasn't because it was like yeah. daddy daughter date, you know, it was yeah. a special moment. Yeah. That's literally the only time that I've ever been like, feel a little bit of put off by being interrupted every other time. I'm, I'm honored to be able to be recognized. Yeah. But yeah. I think one of the things that is amazing and, and others have like written books about this, I think John Mark Comer kind of writes about this, but one of the things you see in the life of Jesus is that he's just generally not in a hurry. Like there, yeah. there's no remnant of impatience in him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I, to me, that is such a convicting element of Jesus's <laughs> ministry sure. because he, they're really, and I, and I have to believe there's this deep abiding, right? Trust in the father. I mean, you see yeah. Jesus talk about this. He's there to do the will of the father. And so there's this element of our lives that we should just, we should just go with the flow. And I mean, and to yeah. just to be honest, go with the flow and say, God, what, what is it that you have for me? What is mm-hmm. it that you're trying to do? Um, and, and to be looking for those things, to be open to that. One of the things I was thinking about even is is to combine some of these because there are some practical problems with being in a hurry at times. You know, if like you got to go pick your kids up from right. school and you're right. you, you meant to go run a quick errand and then someone stops you and they start to talk about mm-hmm. their, you know, maybe they know you from church or the community yeah. and they start to talk about their life story and they're going through a difficult time. And maybe you do have a sincere heart. You want to listen to them. You want to sure. care for them. But it's like, I literally have to go be at the school right. to pick up my mm-hmm. son or whatever it is. I think the other element of that is we can still do things. We can say, hey, can I, can I pray for you right now? Right. One of the things that I learned years ago, instead of saying, I will pray for you, right. I would actually ask people on the spot, hey, can I just yeah, pray for too. you? Uh, and, and be unashamed to do it, like in public, in a grocery yeah. store, wherever. Yeah. And I know that that's a big ask for some people right. to do that, but there are little ways to do that. Yes. That's a way to minister to someone right there in that moment. And it may not be the solution to all their problems, but you know that's going to bless them, that yeah. you took the time to do that, especially in a public place. The other way is, I mean, if you meet people, you connect with people, you can follow up with them. Say, hey, I, I have to go, but I would love to touch base with you again. Mm-hmm. Um, can I give you a call sometime? Can I shoot you yeah. a text? Send me an email. Here's my contact information. would love to meet up with you. love to grab lunch sometime. So there's even ways to blend the two where Absolutely. we respond to situations that are unexpected, but we're proactive and intentional 
to follow through and do something with that. So it doesn't always have to be, because I think that's something that could get lost in translation, that we have to be everything to everyone in that moment. Realistically, that's not the case in 99% of situations. It's not realistic. People understand busyness, but they also understand when you take time to follow up, and and so you take time for them. Yep. That's honoring. So like the busyness, okay, I understand that. Like Mm -hmm. that, I get that. You're not blowing me off. Like I get it. But when you say like, I want to schedule and you follow up with that, I think that's super honoring. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I know I am. I'm honored when, when people follow up, when they said they're going to follow up. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, one of the biggest challenges, I'm realizing this in my life right now, um, as you guys know, we're, we're doing a lot of stuff. We bought a house that needs a lot of work. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, having three young kids, being on staff here, having projects you want to, it just never feels like there's enough right. time. And so one of the, the tensions that I feel is I, the way that God has wired me is I do think about, okay, how can we be intentional? The truth is right now I'm in a season where I, I just honestly feel selfish with my time. Like it's, yeah. it's at a place where I don't want to create space for that. I don't want to set apart a night or two a week to invite people over. Maybe that need me to minister to yeah. them because it's emotionally taxing. It's spiritually right. taxing. It takes a lot of effort and you're already tired and you're already run ragged. And so I, I think they're having people understand that that is a real tension, right? Sure. And yeah. And not wanting people to walk away from a message like this, feeling like ministry is one of those things that they, this crushing weight that they have to add to their to-do list. I was talking to um, some of the staff earlier today, even before uh, technically the workday started, and there was a, a saying that I heard, it was at Exponential Church Conference in one of the like breakout sessions. This was back in, I think, 2017 or 18. Uh, it was a guy talking about just like missional living, thinking missionally in our daily lives, very similar to what we're talking about today and what the message was about. But he used this expression, um, alignment, not addition. And I thought that was so cool because what he was saying is rather than thinking of ministry, rather than thinking of missional living as a bunch more things to add to your to-do list, he, he was talking about how like even eating, you're going to eat regardless, right? You're going to have dinner incorporate someone into that. If you're during your work day, you're going to eat lunch. If you're going to go get out, go get lunch somewhere, invite a coworker to join you. It was just this simple principle of realize that you have so many opportunities already, as we've been saying, bring those into alignment with what God is trying to do rather than seeing ministry as, oh man, I got to do X, Y, Z. I got to add all of Mm -hmm. this stuff to my list. Because I know for for Christians who hear message after message, week after week, it can feel crushing. It can feel like there's just no realistic way for Mm -hmm. me to actually implement these things in my life. So I think for me, my final word, even in this topic, would be it really is a perspective shift. It's to Mm -hmm. realize God has already, you know, to to point out what Jesus said in Matthew 9, right? The harvest is plentiful. There are opportunities all around us every single day and unique ones to each of us. Mm -hmm. And we just have to be open to that and realize Alignment, not addition. Where has God already placed you? Even uh, I've heard people teach that the Great Commission, it's, uh, you know, rather than go and make disciples, it's as you go. This idea of as you go through life, Mm -hmm. as you're in school, as you're at your workplace, as you're at your kid's sporting event, make disciples, right? Take the opportunity to be present with people. Use every opportunity that God gives to you. Love it. So anything last? Anything else you want to say? I think that was great. Yeah, the only thing I was thinking of is it just goes right along with that is just being. You don't have to add more to your schedule. Just being yeah. purposed about. Yes. Um, you don't have to minister to every single person yeah. ever. You have. To, you're just called to do the ones that are God has placed in yep. your mm-hmm. life, and that can change from season to season. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and even with that, the people God's placed in your life, as you pray and ask the Holy Spirit to open up doors. We, we all will realize we sometimes the doors just don't open yes. with people like, you <laughs> yeah. know, like whether the sure. conversations never go that direction yeah. or it just never has it. And then all of a sudden there'll be conversations that that door just mm-hmm. opens. Mm-hmm. If a door opens by the Holy Spirit, walk through that door, yeah, minister to that good. person. And even like you're saying, like the whole idea of like just having sensitive ears. You'll hear someone's going through something and you can pray for that and follow up with them. You can hear someone has a need and you can meet that need. You can just hear someone's having a bad day and you can stop and get them an ice cream. I mean, like there's like simple things that you can do just by slowing down and listening. And I would even say, if your environment is a tough environment, I promise you, once you have a heart of ministry, it will actually make that environment better for you. Mm -hmm. You'll actually find more joy in going there because you realize my job might not satisfy me, but my, my calling to ministry will. And and it starts to change the dynamic because you can be in 
we've talked about this before. You can, we've both been in environments that were like, we didn't love that environment, mm-hmm. but because we had ministry minds, it just made it more, mm-hmm. it made it better for us. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, again, uh, Anthony, thank you for the, the yes, teaching on you, Sunday, um, the heart in which you delivered it. Uh, and I forgive you for your Michigan comment. You know, I thought, <laughs> I thought that was a little harsh. You know, I give you an opportunity to teach, and, but you take know, advantage I, of it. Yeah, yeah, but I get it. You're leveraging, you got this crowd on your side. I get that, man. You're trying to win them over. Oh, and man. Stuff, but we'll see what happens this Saturday. Yeah, we'll, we'll see if you ever teach again, too. I mean, that's just the other, <laughs> other part of it, buddy. Uh, no, I'm, I'm okay. I have a thick skin. So everyone, thank you so much for joining us. And we say it every single time. If this is a blessing to you, share it with other friends and family, other Christians, uh, because we want them to be encouraged too. Uh, we love you. We're so proud of you. And we hope to see you soon on one of the Sunday services. God bless.